Hello, everybody. This is Adam Pearson. This is the Business Transformation Podcast. Today is August 27, 2019, and I have a very special guest with me today. We're doing a phone interview with Kit Goldman, the owner of Workplace Training Network, and also my mom. How's it going, mom? <laughs> it's going well, Adam. I'm really happy to be on your podcast with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're doing a phone interview here. And my mom is a business owner. She is also my accounting client. And I, mom, I guess I would say you're probably, if you have a really unique skill, I mean, you've got tons of unique skills, but of all the skills I think you have, your ability to build relationships is probably what I think the strongest thing. What do you think? What do you think your best, your number one asset, your number one skill that you have? Um, well, definitely relationships and communication. Uh, are are what I live for. So I think you're you're right on there for sure. Yeah, yeah. You're also a man's woman. You're a woman who loves uh, men, and men love you, right? I love saying that. Like like a player's coach in football, where the players love their coach. You're like a man's woman, like that. <laughs> well, you know what? I really appreciate uh, and respect the good men of this world. I have tremendous appreciation for it. I didn't necessarily have the best man in my life when I was growing up. And uh, so I know what it takes, and also I really, really like the male communication playbook, which is direct and, and um, kind of gets to the point. Although I don't always use that, I appreciate it. Okay. Well, that's, that's a really cool thing and um, something that I think is kind of rare and probably a lot of women out there could, could learn from, from, that, um, from that approach to men. But we're not, we're not doing a relationship podcast here. Um, we could do it another, gonna, another time. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll do a little bit, but. Um, you were just mentioning before we got on the call here that, uh, and we're going to we'll go back sort of the beginning of your business career and work our way forward. Mm -hmm. But before we got on the line, just as a preface, you were saying that you're having your best year ever. And why don't you tell the people um, the decade that you're in? So, so I'm not revealing your age. And can you confirm <laughs> that late, late here in your career, you're actually having fun with your best year? And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yes, I will. Um, and, you know, Adam, you've heard me say, I make a joke about it, that, um, you know, when people say, how old are you? I say I'm 59.99, including shipping and handling, uh, yeah. with a 20% discount with a coupon. But I, I'm actually, I'm in my seventh decade um, on this earth. And um, after all of these years um, in the business world, I'm having my absolute best year ever. And I think that's significant simply because you really don't know you know, if you, if you stick around and you stay in the game, you, you really don't know when it's going to hit for you. Yeah, probably that's, that's, that's the number one thing that people can do is just stay in it, right? Would you say that's, yes. that's true? Because eventually you'll well, learn what you're doing, and in the beginning you always are going to have no idea. So you just have to a lot of times stick it out until you figure out what the market is and what exactly the product is that the market needs and how to distribute it to them and all that. And to be honest, I don't know that I would have had the wisdom or the experience prior to this to uh, to know how to marshal um, the increase in business and assets um, and to really be a good steward of them. So um, it takes all the learning you've got um, to uh, to know what to do with it when it does come. So I'm actually this is the timing. The timing is actually perfect. Well, the good news is. Um with you revealing your age is that no one listens to this yet. So you don't have to worry about anybody really finding out. <laughs> I was looking I was looking at my, I was looking at my stats on this podcast and I have one listener and that listener is me. <laughs> so, <laughs> well I was gonna put this on my website but I'm not really sure now if I want my clients to know uh 
but you know what? Um, uh, we'll we'll take that as a count. <laughs> well, your you know your product is so good that they probably they probably don't care about what your age is. They just care about how great the product is. Um, well, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that that's true. And in fact, <clears throat> some of the other people on my team are are older and wiser, and it's it's a it's a big asset to be honest. Um, as long as you as long as you uh, keep uh, as long as you keep current on everything, uh, then the the wisdom and experience and maturity are all are all golden. I remember at I think it was your 60th birthday show because you put on a show every 10 years. Was you no maybe it was your 70th at your 70th birthday show right because you put on you're an act, you're an actress and a producer and you put on yes. a show every. Yes every 10 years. And I remember at, at, yes. your, at your 70th, I stood up and I was telling, I think I wanted to tell people three things that they didn't know about you. Maybe that's what, what the presentation was. The one was every man in your life goes bald <laughs> for some reason. Or <laughs> um, and the second thing was that you're an entrepreneur and you, you've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I can't remember you ever actually having a real full-time job at any point during my lifetime. And so is that is that accurate? I'm not misrepresenting the facts, right? No, no, that's 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 accurate. I did have a I, I did have a full time job um, prior to prior. Uh, to you coming into this world, right? But right. I left I'm, that I'm, 30, I'm 36, so it's been at least 36 right. years. Correct, correct. So it was actually what? 39 years, uh, right? That I that right. I left left the corporate world and and went into full time entrepreneuring. So what I wanted to ask you about that was what caused you to make the leap? Were you scared? And what what gave you the, the courage to go for it and to and to stick it out, even though it was, I would imagine, pretty dang hard at times? What was your first venture? How'd you have the courage to get into it and how to go? Well, you know, that's a that's a really interesting question. Um because for me, um, what made me leave my job, I actually had a full-time job and then I went on part-time and went went to um went to college working part-time. I was a single working mom I'm going to, to get my college degree. And after I got my degree um, and then started um, thinking about business and, and my venture, I actually walked into my job, um, which was for the local newspaper, and went to sit down at my desk and my body wouldn't do it. <laughs> I basically got a message from my being that said, nope, not, we're not going to do this anymore I really I I was standing there by my chair and kind of um, thrown thrown back by the fact that I was getting this message but I listened to it and on that occasion when I wouldn't when my being wouldn't sit back down in my chair I went in and, and I resigned and, did you know when you couldn't sit in that chair did you already know what you wanted to do or did you just know you didn't want to do that anymore I know I had already started um I had already started actually um the year before I had put together um um a, a theater company that I was doing on the side and I had already started looking for a theater space uh and had how, how found a theater mm-hmm. How does one start a theater company on the side do you just you start meeting actors and you choose a show and you just start rehearsing at someone's house. Like how do you start a theater company on the side? And well, also my, what, what even is a theater company? Well, a theater company is, um, is a group of people who get together to produce shows. 
And so um, I had, um, I've always, you know, I'm a performer and I'm a writer and I've always, um, I grew up with a lot of theater around me. And um, prior to, um, prior to leaving my job, I had gotten together with uh, some, this was during the feminist era when women's issues were really coming to the fore. And I had formed a company called the Women's Theater Ensemble with some actresses and writers, uh, including your grandma, okay, my mom, Sybil, um, to put together some shows and do some shows that were of particular interest to women here in San Diego. And we had rented a couple of theaters. We put together a couple of shows and uh, featuring ourselves and gotten some publicity out and, and put on a show. And um, we started to form a, a, an organization. And at that time, uh, somebody who was in my life, um, a romantic interest who had been in my life for, for a while, who was um, a writer for the newspaper, but also had um, started his own nonprofit theater company. And he had a corporation and he wasn't doing anything with it. And he agreed to basically turn over this nonprofit. It was a 501c3 nonprofit theater company to me so I could go ahead and uh, go ahead and uh, continue growing what I had started. And uh, at that time, um, my partners, Willie and Bobby, who you will remember, who are a director and designer, had moved to San Diego from Santa Barbara and I had met them. You know, and, and really, just to digress for a minute, a lot of what you're hearing here about how things happen is timing and how people come into your life and how energy and ideas come into your life. And if you um, pay attention to that and are receptive and willing to accept that this that there's something organic that's growing and hop onto it, and that's that's what happened. Uh, the people I needed came into my life at that time. Uh, at that time, also there was a very dynamic downtown um, kind of fringy theater scene that was starting here in San Diego that we that we um, were part of. So there was this tremendous energy. And um, so we put on a couple of shows in rented theaters. And then that's when I got the idea um, that I would find a theater space for us. And we would create a theater that would be our home. And this all happened while I was working for the newspaper. Um, and and uh, so were you, were, you, were you scared to quit your job? Or were you feeling totally confident that this is your calling and no matter what it was going to be fine you're going to make it work i mean you you had my brother at that time my older brother so you're a single mom with a kid what were you what were your doubts or if you had any or were you just feeling like doesn't matter it's going to work out one way or another well i was with your dad and your dad oh, okay so you were already with my dad at the time you left me well um when i when i left the union tribune which was in 1980 I had um, just moved in with your dad uh, shortly before that, right. and had and 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 had met him, and he was very instrumental in me finding my theater space because he was a developer downtown, as you know. What was so, the name of the theater? The Gaslamp Quarter Theater. That was the first one. Was the Gaslamp Quarter yeah. Theater? It was the first one. It was the Gaston Porter Theater on Fourth Avenue between um, between Market and Island. Uh huh. And and did you have success right away? No. Um. The first show we put on was a flop. And <laughs> what, was, uh, what was the show? What was the show? Do you remember? Uh, taken. In, I think it was taken in marriage. 
and it was a it was a, a not a well known show, and uh, it, it was a good show. But and what made it a it, what made it a flop, mom? What made it a flop? Well, was it the fact that nobody it, showed up, or was it a bad show? No, it was a good show, and nobody showed up. And the reason people didn't show up was we, my theater. We decided we were going to be pioneers in the in in a historic district downtown where nobody had come for decades. And it was a slum. It was Skid Row. There were no yeah. street lamps. There were no sidewalks. <laughs> there were bums everywhere. But it was. It had these beautiful historic buildings, and and it was cheap, so we could find space there. And that's, we did. Um, can I just chime in and point something out? That's a. Um, I think that's a typical entrepreneur problem. A lot of times, it's not that the product is bad. Usually, actually, the product is good because if someone has quit their job because they're so passionate about a particular thing, the product that they're going to put out is going to be great. But it's the sales and the marketing and the distribution that people have a hard, people have a hard time figuring out. And that will keep, keep a lot of people from making money. And I know you're already starting to realize that too as you're, as you're having your best year ever. But I digress. Um, well, no, no. I want, I, want to, I want to comment on what you just said. Yeah, yeah, please. It's really, really important. The easy part is to put on the good show if that's what you know because how to you do. Love, that, because you love it. Right. You're already, you you're already do doing that. something you love. Yeah. But, and so putting on a good show or a good event or putting out a good product, that honestly is the easy part. That is the easy part of any venture. The hard part, well, when it comes to theater, is putting butts in the seats. Or if you're rolling out a new product, is getting people to, to buy it. That is that is the hard part, and of course, that really is the the gauge of your success if you're in the and business was, world. If and was you're that willing to pay money and get it? And was that um, so? That was that sort of a typical theme in your theater that you you kept, you put out a bunch of good shows, but you're having a hard time getting people in there, or were you able to start to build some crowds at some point? I'm sorry, or were you able to? What I didn't understand. That. Uh, start to build up a good following. Oh, a profit, well, profitable over, following. Over a period of years, we, we built up a following. Um, but it took us, it was our third show that finally hit. And it's because it was a musical. And um, I, um, um, I had a, a, this producer and director who came in who had mentored me. Because before I opened my own theaters, I actually had worked as the associate producer for another theater downtown. This was all, again, while I was working at the newspaper. Um, and I had learned from stuff and met this a guy that, that was like a Broadway producer type who had come to San Diego. And when I, I kind of was lamenting to him what was happening at my theater that I, I, I wasn't getting the crowds, he said, well, I'll get you some crowd. And he said, we're going to do a musical. And it had, okay, my theater was a 90 person, 96 seats. Okay. And this musical that we put on had 18 people in it. So. <laughs> I said, there's no way. He said, yes, we can do it. And I mean, our dressing room only held like eight people. And so we had, you know, actors like packed into the storeroom and the, and the bathroom. And it was in the height of summer. And, you know, older people are, the, are sort of the uh, stalwart yeah. theater goers in the world. And so we had all of these senior citizens coming down, and it was in the summer, and we had no air conditioning. And literally, there was all this tap dancing and singing going on. It literally sucked the oxygen out of the, out of the place. <laughs> we, had, 
we had people that actually did pass out in our theater. <laughs> so if you have someone pass out during a show, does the show go on, or do you need to take a break and like you have someone? No, we had to, we had to take a break and have some, and call nine one one. Did you actually have to do so, that one time? That's not that's yes, not made up. Yes, yes, we did. Ah. We had a few people that had to um, had to go out. I'm so sorry about this ringing. I'm trying to um, to mute it. But it isn't working. It's okay. So, I don't even really hear it. It's no problem. Okay, good. Um, so yeah, so so with that show, we finally had a hit. And you know, another very important uh, point for um, entrepreneurs: the feeling of success. Sometime in the, you know, fairly early on, you need to taste success. It's sort of like, you know, the Suzuki method, how they teach violin to kids, and the, um, and they do it in a way where the kids can start making a good sound really fast, and it's very, very motivating. So once you taste that success, and you know what it feels like, and then, then, then you know it's there. It's, you know it's possible. I know people who have never really been in love, and they don't really believe it exists because they haven't experienced it. So, but we know it does if we have. So that taste of success that I got with that third show, the phone was ringing off the hook. People were pouring in. We had sold-out houses, and it was one of the most blissful times of my life, <laughs> to be honest. So were you able to were you able to put on more hits? Did you have a string of hits, or what happened after that? Was we, it well? Part of part of it was there was also momentum. We were um, um, having people actually uh, show up um, and spreading the word that it was okay to come downtown and come down to our area. So um, uh, yeah, so we didn't have a string of hits. It was still really hard, and we had a we had to work so hard to just get people there. Um, but it started to build. We started to build an audience um, with the money that came in on that show. We were able to uh, create a, a nice uh, brochure uh, for the next show. We were able to reinvest that money in, into marketing um, for the next show. And of course, we were learning. So we, so, you know, we, uh, yeah. So, and so how, how long were you in that small theater? We were in that small theater uh, from 1980 up until 19. 1988. Oh, you were in that small theater for eight, eight years. Yes, but in 1986, we opened our second theater, which was a 250-seat theater across the street. So we ran both of them for, for three years. For two, two, three years. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and during, that, during, during that time, let's just say 80 to 88, um, what, were the hard, what were some of the struggles you went through? What was the yeah, hard the, stuff, not just the good stuff? Yeah, the hard the hard stuff was um, um, having shows that didn't sell. Um, trying to uh, my my take on on theater has always been to do shows that that people love and that they and that are entertaining. And there's a lot of impulse within the theater community to do shows that are are socially conscious and um, that are um, high minded. And I love doing that, but my thing was what really turned me on, Adam, was seeing people buy tickets. So, so I wasn't so concerned. I I gauged how good my show was by how many people wanted to buy tickets. Okay, so but if you do you do but you're doing popular shows, so what? The critics were just giving you a super hard time about it. Um, well, it was always it was a battle with my colleagues about what we oh. were gonna, what we were going to do. 
So, cause we were, you know, I had partners. I had my director and my, my designer and we were partners in the theater. Uh, so, so picking plays, finding plays that were, were going to work. And then in the nonprofit theater, okay, you're lucky if 50% of your budget can come from ticket sales. The other 50 has to be donations. That's how it works. Okay. So I was constantly fundraising. There wasn't a person I ran into that didn't know I was going to hit them up. And so, <laughs> so that was hard. That was hard being being that person who's always hitting people up. Well, you know, I, I had to raise. Um, I had to raise. Uh, I I one time computed it, and I actually ended up raising twelve million dollars during my during my time down there. Uh, over my over my twelve years down there, I ended up raising about twelve million bucks. That is so impressive, Mom. That is so impressive. Well, yes, but so, however. Yeah. By, by, but but note that that if I had raised twelve million dollars for a business, it would have been a different story. But I didn't really run the theater as a business because my objectives were not that at that time. And what I was the overall? My, what was over the overall objective? Promote that. Promote the scene downtown. Put good art into the world. Entertain people. Yeah. Yeah. Keep culture alive. Yeah. Yeah. And B, and we were pioneers down there in the gas lamp quarter, and and yeah, we became very involved in in the redevelopment of the gas lamp, and so it was a big lesson learned, and one I did learn, which is that your charity life and your business life should not be one. Those are two separate objectives. But but you could have a career in charity, don't you think? You can have a career calling? in charity. If that's but you can, but but you're never going to be able to run it like a business, in your opinion. Well, the objectives are different. If you, like, for example, my objectives were, were not financial. And I paid the price for that because I, I, I left all my assets down there in the gas lamp quarter. That's right. So you, so you got a 13-year stretch where you're not really making money, right? You're getting older. I was losing money. You got, yeah, you were losing money. You weren't obviously pulling down a big salary or anything like that. So no, you had a long stretch no. where... You're essentially dedicating yourself to a cause, but that cause was not get money. It was pr promoting the cause was something. Not Goldman, that's for sure. Yeah, it was the world. You were putting everybody else in front of yourself and trying to give something great to them. Correct. And 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 I and 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 I and I cherish and value that chapter with all my heart because that's what it was about. But I also learned uh, an awful lot about about what not to do in business. Because okay. it, because it, it it was a business, but I didn't run it like a business. Well, it was an, yeah. You're running a big organization that wasn't necessarily a business, right? My, right. Just before I want to move on to how you got into business, but if you could briefly just name drop some of the um, some of the famous people that you had come through, and also what were some of your biggest shows in the 250 theater there? So that yeah. that was what well, that ended up, end up being. Was that the Han Cosmopolitan Theater? That was the Hong Kong Theater. Yeah. And I had, um, you know, people like um, Marion Mercer and um, Shelley Berman, Steve Allen, um, Nehemiah Persoff. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, a lot of... Um, a, a lot of uh, Let us um, not forget Pam Greer, Whoopi Goldberg. Pam Greer, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg was, uh, was in my theater early on in the small theater. In the small and, theater. Um, she, yeah, and she did. She did a one-woman show there. And she and I sat in the box office and divvied up the night's nice proceeds, dollar for dollar. 
<laughs> after <laughs> after each show. Uh, yeah. So, so was it hard? Was it was it hard for you to walk away from the theater and and no. go do something else? No, you were ready. Right, because I don't really walk away until I'm ready. Yeah. And um, I don't do that. So no. So I was ready. I was ready to move on and to get into business. And I had certain parameters um, that I set. Um, I wouldn't get into a business where I had to fill seats. I wouldn't get into a business where I had to build an organization and be responsible for employees. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, and, and I wouldn't get into a business where my main objective was, um, was charitable or making the world a better place. I was going to save that for, and I still do that. I'm still involved with charity, but not as my business. So then after, so, so then after that, you started a live action edutainment, right? Isn't that the next I step? I did. I, I did. I did. I, I, I gave some thought about what my skill set, what would be a, a good, um, a, a, a good application for my particular skill set, which was writing, marketing now, after having done it at the theater, um, uh, performing, and I was an educator because my, you know, my degree, I um, was involved in early childhood education. And um, then, so, but in, as an interim business, I set up a little business called Creative Entertainment Concepts, which um, I would book actors for different for events like conventions and I remember that tours. right. I remember we had some pretty yeah. crazy and you know lookalikes and uh, themed parties that I would I would put together with my group and of you, actors. You had, and I remember you had that you had that small office with a big warehouse and you had all these props in there. Right, right. I had a, an office in the warehouse of, of, of the chairman of the board of my theater company when I left. Yeah. And he gave me an office space, and it was filled with props that he made because he, he that was part of a business he had. So, so anyway, I did that for a while, but it wasn't very satisfying. All right, so you did live action at entertainment. You teamed up with a partner, right, who was a lawyer, and you guys started doing corporate training yeah, with, and well, with, I, with I actors an and production. I saw an article in the paper about this group in Chicago that was doing corporate theater, and I looked at that, and I and it went, but a bing in my head. Look at that! Somebody's out there doing theater for, for corporations to teach them. I thought so. I I started <laughs> mulling on that, and I actually floated the idea with some friends I had at Human Resources, and they said, "Yeah, we would love that. That's you know things are really boring, and we'd like you know it'd be great methodology." So I did hook up with a lawyer, and we began uh, putting uh, 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 courses together with some Human Resources people. Um, at that time, harassment was um, was big. It was just coming in sort of the Anita Hill, Clarence Thomas hearing, and we um, we started we started our little business called Live Action Entertainment, and I built that business. And, and I remember you guys um, went on a pretty good you guys went on a pretty good run there for a while, like at the beginning. We right? were on a good run, and then I broke up with my partner. That was a whole other story. And well, and, I just want to briefly say I remember when you um, you guys went through a, that terrible court case with your partner. Yes, and how yes. how awful that ended up being, and how how difficult it was for you to go through that. It was hideous. It was hideous, but I learned so much. What are some of the key lessons you learned from that? How many couple of key oh, lessons you learned from? Well, from I, I learned, go, go all the way down and go through a terrible court case like that. Uh, yeah, it was a, you know, a court in, a case in federal court, and he was a lawyer who was suing me, and I beat him. So in the course of it, because it was a copyright, um, it was it was a relating to copyright. I learned everything there is to know about copyright law. I defended myself in court um, because I, there's no um, there's no uh, 
like um, federal defenders or anything like that for civil court. Mm-hmm. And I, so I learned, uh, I became a legal eagle, and I also um, learned some rather disillusioning things about the, about the court system, which, you know, anytime you can take off your rose-colored glasses, uh, it's painful, it's a fall from innocence, mm-hmm. but it's very good. It's yeah. very instructional. So, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, and it was a terrible, it, it went on for years. And um, I also learned a huge lesson, which is you document everything. Anything to do with business, you put in writing. Always, 100%. Um, do, you, don't do, you ever, about, about, do you learn anything about partnering? Do you partner up with people now? Would you ever take, never, on, take on another partner? Or are you done with that? I'm talking about, I, you, did, you, you have another legal partner who you share an ent- entity with? Um, no, I have a corporation now. And but you're, so, you're the sole um, owner of that, though, right? Yes, I mean, I have I have other members on the board, including you. Yes, but but nobody yeah. else owns any of that, right? I don't think. No, 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 no. I'm the decision maker for my company. Yeah. And I have a partner, my fabulous partner, Memo Mendez, who's my partner in training, who where we go out and do our live training courses, and and he's he's a partner, and I do and I do always solicit his advice. I also have. A number of strategic partners, which is the way I've set up my business model, and it's worked out really well. That I partner with, and and we we uh, often share decisions, <clears throat> but it's not um, there's no contention because of the way it's set up. So so, so I remember uh, I remember after all that went down with the court case, um, then some period of time passed, and then me and you got into business together. And we stopped doing live action edutainment and we changed it to Workplace Training Network. And we started filming these really great videos. I think you still use, use those to, the, to this day, right? Those videos that we filmed? No, we finally replaced those. Oh, videos. you retired them. All right. They had a fantastic shelf life. Those yeah. videos ran for 12 years. Those, yep. and, and for training a product, that is enormous. That had a 12-year shelf life. That's how good they were. I remember, yep. I remember and, that whole process where we, we were auditioning actors and you wrote the scripts and we, we filmed it at the oh, yeah. um, KPBS at studio huh? yep, and we had to get a professional editor in there and, and that, was, that was a really cool experience. And, and we, we raised some money. We raised like yep. 70, 75,000 bucks to film these videos yep. and that, that was a really interesting experience and that was the first time I had ever gone into business. So my first, well, my first foray into business was me and you as partners. Working on that together. It was, be- it was because of you and 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 your partnership that I that I ended up taking my courses online, and that was when the state of California. That was in 2005 when the state of California mandated two hours of sexual harassment training for all supervisors, and so my business now has really focused a lot around state mandates, which are myriad. And when employees a- have to pro- provide training, it really sets the marketplace. But let's see, I, what, what year was that? You said it was 2000. What year did we film those videos? In 2006. So in 2006, we filmed those videos, but that, that business didn't really hit in any meaningful way. Like so much so that I had to go work for the Department of Defense just to make ends meet because I was already married at that point. But I mean, that business didn't really start hitting for a while. Well, the problem we is that the economy tanked in 2008, remember? That's right. Yep, that's and right. And the economy tanked. My business, along with many, 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 many other small businesses, got just hammered. 
and I had to um, I had to rent uh, rent out my condo that I own. I, rem- I remember that. I moved in, I moved in with a, with a friend of mine, and yep. I became I became a um, a substitute teacher. So did you, and <laughs> I and I needed cash flow because my and we were yeah. But we were trying to stay in that business and work well, we on the side. Like we, yeah, we were doing everything we could to keep that business up and running and not, not bail out on it. And eventually I did have to bail out on it because I had, you know, I had a wife and I had to, I had to pay the bills. Yes. But yes. you stuck it out. And then what year do you think where it started to, you started to see the daylight? You know, things really changed around for me. It was about 2011. That's what I was thinking because yeah, around 2011. I, I sat down with a friend of mine who is an executive coach and deals with laying out your objectives and really thinking through what you want to do and where you want to be and what it was going to take to get there. And I'd never gone through that process before. I was a, a bootstrapped, shoot-from-the-hip person who wasn't into strategic planning. Let me just make a make a make a quick note here because this is this is this is a very important thing and this is something so with all of our clients I see it all the time. Um, people don't learn how to be business people, and right. business is its own skill set. See, most people are practitioners. They know how to produce a show. Yeah. They know how to act. They're a doctor. They're a lawyer. They're an accountant. Whatever. They're a plumber. Right. They know how to do the technical work of their profession. Like business is its own profession. That's why you have people who are just a oh, businessman. They just know how to do business. Um, right. So a lot of people don't ever learn the skills of business. They just think that being a practitioner is enough, and that is not the case. So it that sounds like in, in 2011, 2000, in 2011, when you sat down with this person, you actually started to finally, after all these years, actually learn what it means to be a business person rather than just a producer of content. That is totally correct. And I want to point out that it was, um, let's see, 20, uh, 20 some years into my business career that I learned that. Actually, 30 now that I think about it. Because so I started in 80. Yeah. If, if I could think of the number one thing that, that mistakes that people make who go into business for themselves, it's exactly that. Like you were saying before, making the product's the easy part. It's it's the selling of it and the running of your business that's the hard part, and it requires a whole separate skill set. And people t- people always overlook that. People always overlook that, and it's it's so important that By you be a student a student of business in addition to knowing knowing how to do your profession. By the way, when I when I started the theater, um, uh, Azim and a few other people that that you know tried to give me uh, uh, information about it, like how to write a business plan, for example. And the stuff that I got was meaningless to me. It was like reading a foreign language. It didn't mean a thing. I couldn't use it because it wasn't, it didn't give me what I needed at all. Um, So finding, you know, finding a person um, like yourself, Adam, or someone else who really is into, um, into the nuts and bolts of how to move how to move forward on a business in a way that that um, uh, somebody can understand that doesn't have a you know a a, 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 um, a business degree an MBA. <laughs> yeah, but that's you know what I, even an MBA isn't isn't what you really need. What you really need is a mentor. 
So yes, and it sounds like that's so what I, you got with the person who sat you down. But I, I'll just say I, this: I've been I've been self-employed for some time now, but I can say it wasn't until probably that Paul Abel, who's a shared friend of ours, started giving me books on business, and I really got into reading about business and learning about it. I I, I even though I've been a business owner for seven years, I think my real true business career has only been like. 15 months or two years old. I'm just now doing it too. So, I mean, it's, it's so common that even an accountant who looks at businesses all the time was able to overlook it. I was just an accountant with a small accounting practice. Now I'm learning about business just now. So I think it's just it's something that happens to everybody. So if anybody's listening to this, go buy the top 10 business books and just start reading them. Or get it on YouTube and listen to successful business entrepreneurs. Right. Listen to successful entrepreneurs talk about what you got to do. But anyway, so you met yep. this person. She, she started having you set goals and give you, giving you some tips and laying out a, a clear path towards achieving goals. And what goal. came out of it was a new, was my business model that has worked. Because, you know, that's the other thing for entrepreneurs. You may go through several business models and you, it looks like a good idea and it works on paper and you, and the timing is right and you go into it and for whatever reason, maybe you don't have deep enough pockets or maybe, um, you don't really know quite enough about the industry and how to enter it. Um, whatever it is, you try it and you give it your all and it doesn't work. So then you then try to find another way. And so what I came out of that meeting with Timmy Gleason, who is the person I'm talking about, was a realization that because I didn't have deep pockets and I didn't have a, a good enough marketing reach, you know, to really soar, I had strategic partners who did. I had people in my world that, that, that I was connected with that had those resources that I didn't have, and I had something they needed. Content. So I started really content. focused, right, my, my programs that I had produced and, and content, and I was a subject matter expert, and I, I was an instructional designer. Plus, I you know, had learned about you know, how, to, how to deliver these programs online. And I had product, I had DVDs, I had live training that I did. I, I had a, a unique blend, by the way, because most companies that do online training do not also have DVDs and live training. I'm discovering that's a real point of difference. And finding out your point of difference and your competitive advantage that you have and really capitalizing on that, on that you know, is so important. But I began to build, to really start to nurture and cultivate and look to my strategic partnerships. Plus, that fulfilled another need I had, which was to have no employees. I'm not a good manager. That isn't where I live. No. I'm a no. great and it, 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 Yeah, it lets you focus on what you do best. Yes. And so, so once, I, once, I had, once I had that realization, and having the realization is where it starts. You may not know exactly how you're gonna how you're gonna get there, but if you know what, then then it all starts. And you know those. And so okay, so that, that so that was 2011. Now we're here in 2019. You said 2019. Yeah. I I know I know from that time forward, it's been obviously it's been quite hard. There's been tons of stress. I know you've yes. changed like change learning management systems. You had all these technical. Yeah reinventions yep. and i know i know you filmed how many how many more programs have you filmed it seems to me like every every six months you're from doing doing a new oh i've done shoot, i've done a dozen anyway because a dozen with 
special projects and then our own stuff, you know, new workplace violence training, healthcare workplace violence training, harassment, and then uh-huh. then updating, you know, for all of the different state mandates and then special projects that we do. You know, we just, we did one for Southern California Edison. We're doing a special project for the union workplace right now for a big law firm. So, you know, not only, not, not only my WTN, my company's content, but also content for, uh, for other people. And now, um, because of one of the strategic partnerships that we put in place last year, uh, things have taken off to a whole new level. And I know, it's, uh, like I said, I do your accounting, so I've been watching it the whole time, and it's just, it's amazing. Makes me really proud of you, Mom. That, Thank um, you. <laughs> that you're, you're, you're killing it. And also, it's a lot of fun when you come to town, because you take us out and you the town group, and then you bring gifts <laughs> for the kids. <laughs> I was like, it's a funny thing, you know, even though I, I got a family of three, and, uh, you know, I support my wife. My wife's a stay-at-home mom, and I'm a homeowner, and all this. Like, I got money. I could, I could pay for a meal. But something, the kid inside me still loves it when one of my parents comes down and picks up the tab at dinner. I still like it. I don't know. It's still well, exciting it's, to me. It's a joy for me, and I'm so proud of you, Adam, for for all that you're doing and all of the wisdom and knowledge and and um, uh, vision uh, that you bring to your business and also to your clients. And uh, I. You know, I, you're an incredible visionary entrepreneur. That's what I call you. And as well, you and I have, go ahead, Mom. Sorry, go ahead. I shouldn't. You and I have said several times a big part of being a successful entrepreneur is just is just entering into the grind every day and going for it. Yeah, I think that's probably what. Yeah, like we've been talking about a couple of things that people fail to get their head around. The one is you got to actually just learn about business. You have to know about profit and loss statements right. and. By making stuff and distributing it and selling, um, but the other thing is is that a lot of your time is just grinding. It's just super hard work, and it's not glamorous at all. Um, you replace one job where you make a decent wage with a much harder job where you don't make as much for a long time. But then eventually, you get to look back and say, "Wow, I can't believe I made it through." And then you end up having the best years. But there's so much yeah. space in between that that most people can't, will just um, will throw in the towel before they ever actually get to realize it. Like you could easily throw in the towel during the, during the recession in 2008, but you just stuck it out, you know, and you figured it out. And then you finally were able to, to reach this pinnacle. And that's, don't you think pretty much everybody has to go through that? I don't think there's a shortcut, right? Um, there may be for some people, maybe their, their life path is an easier one. I don't know. I mean, I think there are people that get inherit money or an inherited business. Oh, but I'm, I'm, th- and I'm talking about anybody who just starts up something from scratch. Oh, who starts up something. Yeah. yeah. No, and, it, and yeah. And, um, you know, it, it really, yeah, you have to, but you don't want to, you don't want to stick around in it if, if, if the whole world is telling you this is not a good, good way to go. But I well, have, have a, a lot. Of, go ahead. Sorry. I have lots of reason to believe that because i was in an industry where people were thriving and i just needed to figure out i just needed to crack the code as our our, our um friend paul abel often says is, is cracking the code well you got to change for sure so yeah like if you're, if, you're on, if you're on a path and it leads you to a cliff like you can't just keep going over the cliff you got to turn back around and retrace your footsteps and and carve exactly. out a new path but the point is to not to not say you know what i'm just turning back you know, you have to keep going no. forward. 
Like no matter no matter what, if you've never been if you've never been through that particular force before, you're not going to choose the right path the first time. So there's no way around it. So well, we're going we're going kind of long. Are you okay for time? I mean, I know we we talked about a half an hour, but we're like forty minutes. Yeah, now. yeah. But we'll we'll let's we can wrap it up pretty quickly. I want to wrap as, it up. But, as, they, as they say, um, you you know you got to leave the you you've got to um, burn the ship. You know, once you get, you have to burn the ship. So you're, when you get there, um, you, you don't have the option of leaving. <laughs> kind of throw, put, it, put it all in. And, yeah. Um, well, and some people also, I've noticed um, from my experience, some people just aren't, aren't, aren't born to work for others. Like, you just, you just don't have right. it in you to have somebody else be your boss. And I, I definitely see you as one of those people um, that would rather be broke, but tell, be, be your own person rather than have some money, but have a boss. I mean, I just, I just don't see you see that in you. I know it's not. You know, so um, definitely, yeah. and 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 when push comes to shove, it's obviously better to be your own boss and be making money. <laughs> so, well, that's, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to ask you one last one, two two more questions, Mom, and then we'll wrap okay. it up. All right. Okay. So one, we were talking about it before we even got on this interview about grit. And and that that just that stick to it. I'm gonna mm -hmm. grind it out. I've seen you take on some big projects where you're really freaked out, but you just yeah just grinded your way through them. You got any tips for grit, or do you think it's something that you're just, you just either have or you don't have based on how you were brought up? You got any tips to help people be ready? What do you got to do? What's well, your mindset? Ask do? yourself. Ask yourself the question: Have you ever failed to deliver? And if you can look back on your career or your experience so far and say, no, I've always delivered, then you can assume you're going to deliver this time, if that's your pattern. So, and you, so you don't need to operate from fear about whether you're able to do it. If you've always done it, you'll do it again. Uh, that, that's good. Then, so, you just gotta, so remember your successes of the past while you're, while you're in, the, in the hard times that you're, you're currently dealing yeah. with. Yeah. Because I can count on one hand the deadlines that I've missed. And if I've missed them, I've always dealt way up front with my clients that it's going to run a little longer but basically i i you know i've always delivered i've always delivered what i said i could 100 percent of the time so now i just make the assumption that uh, it's going to work and yeah, but the, um, interest, the, the interesting thing is you freak out about every project right like correct. i don't know how i'm going to do this it's such a big a big task that i'm taking on but you always deliver so that's not to say that anybody's ever zen Nobody's ever really zen about a huge, challenging project. It always is going to freak you out. But if you just keep in mind the fact that you got a you got a really high percentage of success, then that will well, kind of cool, cool you off another, as you try to work it out. There's another core issue that you've just raised. As you move through life, our job is to grow, and so it's very common, and it's been absolutely the way for me that every project, the next one is more complicated. The next yep. one is more demanding. The next one takes me out of my comfort zone more than the one before. So that, if you're, that's what life is about. It's about growth and change. And so just accept the fact that the next one is going to be more complicated and is going to be more challenging. But remember, you made it through before, and you're, you're, you're definitely going to make it through the, the current thing that you're working on, too. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, one yeah. other thing I want to ask you. I, oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead, Mom. Finish up that thought. And I'll ask I was going to say, question. also, as our friend Paul Abel says, um, I've also learned fairly recently, it's not what you need, it's who you need. 
and surrounding yourself with people that can do the stuff that you're not either great at or that takes a lot out of you and that, that drives you crazy. If you can bring people in who love that stuff and do that well, um, and I've started doing that, and it's uh, it's a it's a it's a huge uh, a, a, a huge move forward. Beautiful, thank you, Mom. And the last thing is, I may, I I said it at the beginning that I think you're you're one of the best relationship builders. I mean, I both romantically, you've always had um, really solid romantic relationships, um, and also business. So, why don't you yes. give us a couple of tips on how do you how do you find people that you could start a relationship with, friend, and also you I, you got great friendships as well. So, how do you make friends? Right. How could you find a good partner? And then also um, in business, what's what are some of your keys to creating and maintaining great relationships? Huh. Well, um, as far as as far as finding them, um, you. you you want to really listen to your gut when somebody comes into your life. You can pretty much assume it's for it's purposeful. If the door opens, if somebody walks through the door into your life, and figuring out what, why are they there? Um, also, um, making sure that um, making sure that you're clear, making sure communication is clear and honest, and that trust trust is huge. Making sure that the people in your life know that what you say you're going to do, you're going to do, and demanding that if if somebody else doesn't operate that way, then you don't want to have a relationship with them. Um, so honesty, trust, communication, staying one of the one of the things that has made um, my made my relationship so successful is I as I constantly communicate, as you know, and for some people it's more even than they want. But I constantly keep people posted and apprised of where things are, how things are going, um, and never letting things slide or letting resentment build, no festering of problems, dealing with problems upfront proactively, um, and not ever having bad blood or bad air between you. Those are some things I would suggest. That's, you know, that just made me think, that's one thing I definitely got to I gotta work on, is, is being a better communicator. I know that about myself because I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of an introvert and um, I, you wouldn't think that because I love to talk, but I am really kind of an introvert and I work out a lot of stuff on my own and I work mm-hmm. on a lot of stuff on my own sort of in isolation and then I spring it on people. So that's probably something I got to get a little bit better at is just being more communicative up front. I think that'll help some of my relationships quite a bit. So I appreciate that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been wonderful, wonderful chatting. We only just yeah. scratched the surface. I know, but we've been going for a long time, like almost, yeah. I think about 45 minutes now. So we'll wrap it up. Just want to say thank you, Mom. Thanks for taking the time and um, great story. Oh, Adam. Yeah, I, I love you. I'm, I love you, and I'm so proud of everything that you're doing. Oh, Thank that's you for being on my mutual. side. Yeah, the feeling's okay. mutual. All right, Mom. Well, hey, I'll send you a recording um, as soon as we get off Please here. do. Okay. okay. I love you. Bye. Bye.